Welcome to the DC Yoga Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Parkinson. And today we have uh, Jess Pierno in the studio. She's the owner of Yoga Heights. Um, and uh, maybe you can start off, uh, Jess, by telling us a little bit more about your studios at this point, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, Yoga Heights is about four years old, four and a half now. And we, I actually am co-owner. I want to give props to my business partner, Amy Rosado, uh, because I'm a big fan of doing business and partners as opposed to all, all by yourself. Um, so we opened kind of with no idea of what we were getting ourselves into or what we were doing, as I think is common amongst yoga studio owners, perhaps. Uh, we set out to be a place where we were very informal, very approachable, um, kind of stripping away the preconceived notions about who is a yogi and who isn't. And, you know, you don't have to wear a certain type of pants. You don't have to look a certain kind of way. You don't have to have a certain body. And so we really set that as our mission from day one. So it's been fun to, like, constantly push back against stereotypes of yoga and question ourselves and figure out what are we doing to be accessible and how do we make our pricing accessible and... How do we make sure when we look around at our students, they are diverse? Um, and you guys did when you guys opened up Yoga Heights for the. It, it, it has to be said, Yoga Heights is in uh, Petworth. Yes, right? we are so. on Georgia Avenue in a spot that was not uh, what, what one might pick as a spot for a yoga studio. But your ideal <laughs> yoga studio location, this was not. Yeah, yes. but you know, it was in that. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. There wasn't any yoga in that neighborhood, and people were moving into that neighborhood, so there was, like, change. Um, I know I had been trying to buy a house over there, so I had experienced how quickly houses were flying off the market, so that was a good indicator to me that, like, okay, well, there are people coming into the neighborhood, as well as there are people in the neighborhood already who can benefit from this, so... It was a little adventure I started. So why don't we, maybe we should start at the beginning and how we know each other. Um, yeah. Because uh, we met probably, I don't know, six years ago? Six years ago, I think? Yeah. Seven years ago, maybe. Sounds we started right. started yoga teacher training with uh, with Angela Meyer at uh, Stroga. Yeah. For those of you who are listening to remember, yes, mm. Jess has her hand <laughs> on her heart now. Stroga was this beautiful yoga studio over in Adams Morgan. And, you know, like, I just think about the ceiling of the room where we did yoga. It was this ornate, white, sort of Victorian-inspired ceiling in a ballroom. With these chandeliers oh, it was that had, like, the softest, like, yellow glow to it yep. you know, the in the evenings. The light would come in through the windows, and you could pick that one spot where you knew you were going to get a suntan because the light <laughs> would, like, torch you. Yeah. So we did teacher training at Stroga. Yeah, it was teacher training at Stroga, probably... And 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 I, I think I feel a little spoiled that I, that I did practice there for so long and did teacher training there because every yoga studio I go into now sort of sort of pales by comparison because for people who don't know I mean this was literally a ballroom where you could you could fit 200 people in um, very easily maybe not 200 maybe 150 pretty easily to have a yoga class oh yeah um, and so there was it was just and the the wood on the floor was really nice when it wasn't being used as for a party the night before. Um, and it was just, it was just one of those beautiful places to practice yoga. And every studio I go into, I sort of think, God, why 
why am I not at Stroga? <laughs> it was so nice. Yeah, well, from the business side, I can tell you why you're not at Stroga. <laughs> that much square Certainly. footage does not come cheap in D.C. So. No, that's right. Yeah, and so we, we started a yoga teacher training program. Um, and uh, at the time, I had been doing yoga for approximately two months. But you had been practicing yoga for, for a long time before that. No. You hadn't. No, and I... <laughs> so I'm not a big planner, turns out. Um no, I had like dabbled in yoga here and there, but I had always been a dancer in like high school and um I never really liked yoga that much. I thought it was boring. The few classes I had been to were very slow. <laughs> I remember I went with my host mother in Brazil who was like in her sixties and so it was like seated meditation. I think I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I had not fallen in love with yoga until I had a very typical stressful, frustrating DC job. Mm. And then I started taking yoga classes and that's when it like clicked. So and, you, and you started taking yoga classes at Stroga or was it another studio? I started taking both at Stroga because I lived right there on the corner in Adams Morgan. And I also started taking them in the Pentagon because I was working in DOD. And I felt it in myself, right? That sort of like, ah, of a good yoga class. And then saw it in the people around me and that's really that became really intriguing to me is like the therapeutic side of yoga the healing the space just like people need space and time and you get that from yoga so I mean for me it was just a hobby that was nice right and then I remember I was taking was it Eva's class yeah yoga yeah and she mentioned at the end, like, oh, hey, by the way, teacher training starting in like a month. There's maybe one or two more spots left. And I'm not very good at... Um, like controlling impulses. Con well, controlling impulses, <laughs> sure. Consistency in my practice at all. So I was like, oh, if I'm going to really like dig into this, I'm going to go for teacher training because I'm going to pay thousands of dollars up front and that'll make me show up on the mat consistently. So it was really just this sort of exploration of a hobby and I didn't have any expectations of actually teaching yoga ever. Yeah. 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 I remember our, our teacher training class was, uh, was pretty varied in terms of the types of people that we had in there. It was really, it was really fun and, uh, um, interesting experience. I, I had no idea what I was getting into when I, when I signed up for yoga teacher training. Um, did you want to teach? No, I had no, I mean, I had no idea. I was, I was, you know, this was a period in my life when I was, really, really, really down. I was really, I was dealing with a job I really didn't like. I was in a pretty unhealthy place um, just in general in my life. And somebody had suggested I try yoga. And so I, I did go to Stroga and, you know, I, I thought, wow, this is great. You know, I can do all these push-ups and now I can, you know, I can try arm balances and handstands. And isn't this great? I'm like, you know, now I would say I was really interested in like the acrobatic yeah. part of it. I wasn't really interested in the, you know, the whole like, oh, let's, let's meditate and let's do stuff. all that you know, wishy-washy stuff. Um, and then I, you know, I, I came to Angela's class and I was really impressed because Angela is so, um, she's so physically gifted uh, in terms of what she can do with her body. She's, she's very conscious of what she, she can do with her body and her practice. And I thought that's, that's a great way to move. Um, and so that part of me really, really, uh, that really spoke to me. And she mentioned, you know, hey, I'm doing this yoga teacher training thing. And I was like, all right, well, what the hell, you know, like, um, it seems to be kind of cool. And uh, maybe I'll learn more about this, this thing that I have no idea about. Um, and I got to tell you, it was, uh, it was 
I mean, it was just really frustrating. The whole yoga teacher training <laughs> experience for me, because I, because you know I'm coming from a background of sports and athletics and um, being a lawyer, and so uh, you must have hated those first weekends. It was awful. all the feelings. No, no, that was fine. All, so all that part, so that part, I didn't have a problem with. That was fine. I actually that that I enjoyed because it, it made me feel more comfortable in the space okay. um, because I saw people really letting go of themselves, and so yeah. I felt more comfortable being myself. I guess I, I really never have a problem with that, but okay. but I but I, I felt more comfortable doing that. Um, the, what I had a problem with was uh, was the the language and the terminology. Um, the when we started reading uh, light on yoga, which is you know which is a lot a lot of teacher trainings use mm-hmm. light on yoga. Um, do you guys use that for yours? We do, you do, and I still to this day reread it and yeah. find stuff that I'm like, wow. How have I never picked up on that in my now like tenth time reading through this? It's so dense. It is, and that's and that's that's its gift, and I think it's also its downfall. It was for me anyway yeah. that um, I we specifically don't use light on yoga in our teacher training because I find it is almost incomprehensible to the layman. Yeah. Um, to anybody who does nothing about yoga, if you pick that up and you start reading it, you're just completely lost. And yeah, exactly, yeah. it goes right over your head. And I was completely lost when I first started reading it. Uh, and that was one of the things. It was like, oh, we're now we're talking about like yamas and niyamas, and what's a yama? What's yeah. a niyama? What yeah. what is this? I mean, okay, ahimsa is nonviolence. Like, what what are we talking the about exposure here? Exposure to Sanskrit for yeah. the first time, and I remember being so caught up on reading these Sanskrit words and like needing a dictionary, wanting to like look and figure out what are they, and then writing them down and having definitions. And my journal from teacher training is still so it's like gold. To I bet. I bet. Like, yeah. All the different you know technical things we wrote down, but also the like feelings and emotions and reflections that we wrote down. That was really powerful for me in training. Do you look, do you look back at that now? Or when you read that, do you think to yourself, like, like, do you kind of say like, Oh my God, I was, I was a kid back then, or I didn't really understand. Or was there, is there a sense of like how much you've matured since then that you realize like, I can't believe like I actually thought that way at one time. There's definitely, I look back with such like softness for that person who I was because I was, very unhappy and sort of misguided because I I was doing all the right things. And like, you know, I had gone to undergrad and then went into grad school and paid a lot of money and got a job and I had business suits and high heels and I marched forward. And yet That's was, right, you were on the track. Yeah, I did all the things. And then I was sobbing in my cubicle every day and so unhappy. I mean, I cried so much in those years and I don't cry now. So I like look back with this sort of like, oh, honey, like, yeah. stop, stop doing those things. So, yes, I guess it's, it is nice to look back and say, yeah, there's a lot of growth since then. Yeah, it's amazing how we can, uh, we can be on that track that's laid out by society and still feel completely empty and alone inside yeah. in a lot of ways. I remember in teacher training the exercise of, you know, who are you and then journaling about that. And at first I thought, like, this is stupid. I don't journal about myself self and my feelings like ugh, come on and then I started doing it and it was like peeling an onion all these sort of like oh well I don't know who am I I'm a person who works in the department of defense and well yeah but what makes you happy and what makes you feel alive and what makes your you know what makes you smile and those none of those things were the things that like were easy to write mm-hmm. from my resume so it really started me on this digging deep into like maybe it's time to leave that path 
maybe it's time to jump off of that, you know, train that was. Yeah, for those for those who don't know, nowhere. there's a there's a teacher teacher training, uh, I guess you would call it exercise that that some people do, um, in that you sit across uh, from somebody else and yeah. you put your hands on. I think you put your hands on their on theirs, or yeah, you, we do it so that at least like you're kneeling and your knees, knees touch, are knees touch. That's right, which is just awkward, anyways, right? And usually this is like first or second weekend, right? So you haven't gotten used to like touching people and breathing together and staring into their eyeballs. It's so awkward right up front. Yep. And it's just like cracking open, I don't know, an egg. Well, it is. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's, and so what happens is one person will, will say, you know, who are you? And the other person will give a one word answer or two word answer. Yep. And then the person, the other person will repeat, who are you? And then they will say another thing. Um, and one of the things that I find so liberating about it is that, uh, it actually teaches you that all the things that you say, you're actually none of those. <laughs> they are actually something much bigger than that. You're actually something more pure than that inside. Yeah. Um, and that all of those things that you come out of your mouth are just labels that you've given to yourself or society has given to you um, to make you feel secure because you're not secure looking at yourself as something more beautiful. Yeah, but listen to yourself talking like this. Like, this guy was not the guy... <laughs> Who started yoga teacher training sitting next to me in the circle, right? Nah. What a huge metamorphosis. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it really did open my eyes. Um, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't, that was definitely a big life moment for me, that yoga teacher training. I, I, I really, um, that's why I run mine right now. Yeah. Um, because I want to give other people that, that same experience or at least allow people to have that experience. Yeah, um, me too. That's why the desire to lead teacher training, uh, was there from almost day one of when I started my yoga studio because it was so profound for me and to be able to like turn around and give that back to people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is a whole nother topic, right? The teacher training industry and is it too much? We'll get to that. Who does it and who shouldn't <laughs> and all these things. But like in the most pure sense, to be able to do a teacher training and give that experience to people is pretty powerful stuff. And we both had it with Angela. That's right. So now I'm I lead teacher training with Angela Myers, which is so cool for me to have come full circle mm -hmm. teaching next to my teacher and passing it on. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's a great thing. And we were actually um we were actually in the same uh peer group. Yeah. With Amy. Yeah, with Amy. That's yeah. It was you and me and Amy and who else was um who else? Obviously, we didn't spend enough time together like we were supposed to. Well, I remember we, we did. Like, well, I remember we had. I remember we had dinner at your place one night. Yeah. Remember that was. I think once. we were supposed to be do like um our teacher training format was one weekend a month for seven months. Yeah, it was months. seven or eight months. I think. I and think we. we I think we started it in August monthly. and we ended it in March. I think. Yeah. 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 But, uh, when it was kind of cool, and so for people who don't know, um, you literally started looking for a place to open a studio pretty much after you graduated, or at least pretty soon after you graduated, at least is the way I remember it. It felt that way. Um, let's see. We graduated graduated teacher training in March, and I started teaching and ramped up classes, not with the intention of leaving my job, because I had $85,000 in student loans and a husband and, you know, other plans for life. Um, but then I started teaching and was like, oh, I feel so alive and happy when I do this. 
how can I possibly shove my feet back in high heels and go back to my cubicle every day? So really, I mean, I feel like I've told this story sort of ad nauseum at this point, but like there was a breaking point for me on my birthday, which is in September, where I basically had a little breakdown. I couldn't stop crying. And it was like this wave of frustration and sadness just overtook me. And that was my point. So in September, I was like, okay, yeah, something has to change. Um, and I would say from that point on, I started daydreaming while sitting in my cubicle and found a space just down the street from my house so that was convenient. Um, signed the lease in December, and then it was real. Then this was like, okay, 10-year lease. That's a legal document. You can't mess with it. Um, and I quit my job in March the following year. So within a year of graduating teacher training, I had yeah. signed a lease and quit my job and was marching forward to yoga dreams come true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you and then you and then you formed this this uh, this ragtag band of of yoga teachers to start yeah. this to start this. Uh, this venture. Yeah, of course. It was it great. Was a lot of us who did teacher training together. And so, again, because Amy was in our training, I initially had a conversation with Amy asking her if she wanted, like, hey, Amy, if I do this crazy thing, would you teach for me? And she was like, yeah, but I want to join you on the crazy thing. I want in. So that started our partnership. And then, yeah, we called on you guys, the people, our network, the people mm -hmm. we knew. And we said, hey, do you want to teach yoga at a place? that we're opening that has zero customers and we don't know if we'll be able to pay you, but we hope we will. <laughs> I don't know. I, did it seem insane at the time? I thought you were fucking nuts. Yeah. But I also <laughs> knew because, but I also knew because I knew you so well that, uh, you were going to be successful because I knew you were like a badass, like I've got my shit together type person. Um, and I knew it was going to be something you were going to be good at because when we had talked about it, uh, you knew you were willing to make mistakes and you were also willing to look at all the little details about everything. I mean, I remember you complaining about the permits you had to get yeah. and like all the kind of things that went into opening a studio and you really had your fingers in all of those different places, uh, in a way that was sober and focused. Um, it wasn't sort of this traditional like, oh, I'm a yogi and I'm going to open a studio <laughs> here. It was like, no, I'm a businesswoman and I'm going to do this and I've got to do step A, B, C, and D. And I, and I saw that happening and I was really, um, I really knew then that it was going to be successful because you had that, yeah. that willingness to do all that. Yeah, I mean, it was fun. That was what I, I always said, if there's a stop sign in this path, I will stop. Like up front, I hadn't really invested a lot of money in it. And so it was something where I could have easily said, er, crap it, don't do this. And so I was always very open to stopping. And I just kept getting support from everywhere I turned. Like teachers were excited. The neighborhood was excited. I think it went up on like Prince of Petworth that we were coming and it like blew up. And all these people were so excited to have that yoga option in the neighborhood where it hadn't been before. Yeah, it just it sort of felt like a snowball effect where it worked and then it worked a little more and then it worked bigger and then it got better and before we knew it we were opening a second one <laughs> which was none of this was ever in the plan, right? There was no plan. So I'm always like 
Well, yeah, that's what five I years mean, from now will be. You know, and that's that's what's so special about it, right? Is that you know, at some point in your life, you looked around and realized the plan wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And so, like now, you kind of realize maybe there doesn't have to be a plan. Maybe, maybe, maybe I just need to be present and aware and and really kind of focus. And then, you know, maybe not just like try to follow the plan and make myself crazy doing that. Yeah. And also not doing it for the money. Uh, I think anyone who goes into yoga for the money is a fool. Yeah. Uh, Or has some brilliant idea that I haven't yet come across. Well, they're at least eluded. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was more just like, I remember talking about initially, like, let's run this like a nonprofit, like that sort of mentality of like, we're here to do good for the world. Hopefully we can pay ourselves. I think initially I paid myself like $5 an hour. Come on. Which was really, really, I was like happy to be able to, I mean, most studio owners don't pay themselves at all. It's crazy. You hear these horror stories. So yeah, that was up front. I knew like, this is my income. So like, right. We got to make some money. We got to make this happen. Well, we also did a lot of cool things. I remember with the studio. I assume you still do them with um, with types of memberships that you have for the studio. I remember you had a Karma Pass for a while. Is mm-hmm. that still, still something you do there? Yeah, it's evolved. It like initially, I had this really sort of detailed method of like you people could pay a little extra, which would be like they could be purchasing Karma, and then other people who couldn't afford yoga could buy those Karma Passes, and we had like a physical pass. And we were going to stick those all over the studio because I had heard a story about a pizza place where the, a guy did that, like buying a slice of pizza, paying it forward, and then homeless people could come in and eat pizza. Fantastic. Anyway, uh, that didn't work so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, a great idea, though. I think it's right, fantastic. I still haven't been there to eat pizza there. Um, but the Karma Pass lives on in that we just let anyone who comes to the front desk and says, hey, I want it, and I can't afford your full price, and we let them do the Karma Pass. I think we say up to four times per month to not let it go crazy, but honestly, no one abuses it, which is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, rarely do you get people taking advantage in the world of yoga, which is nice. You certainly get your deal shoppers. You get the people who, you know, like, do the intro offer at every studio around town, and they're, like, not really looking to commit to one place. But the majority of the students are excited to have community. And that word, community, has, like, become such a part of my vocabulary in a way I never expected. Um, We never, like, you know, planned to market ourselves as a community spot or Mm -hmm. come meet new friends. But turns out, people were really looking for that. So, excuse me, we hear stories all the time of, like, new friendships, best friendships made at the yoga studio and people coming together and practicing and planning their schedule so they can go to the same classes together and just they the students keep echoing back to us what a beautiful community it is mm-hmm. which was completely accidental but lovely that was one of the things i really liked about uh stroga was that it had that little um that little almost like green room like yeah. staging area before you went in yeah. and you could kind of like meet friends there and you could talk and then afterwards after the class you could kind of hang out and talk and i for me, I was just coming off a, a long uh, sort of drug and alcohol binge for you know six years of my life as a, a lawyer, and I was really looking for a place that I could go that would be healthy, uh-huh. um, and uh, and that really was for me. I could I could hang out after class for fifteen or twenty minutes and have social interaction. I didn't have to go to a bar, 
Um, I didn't have to drink alcohol and I could really um, make connections that way that felt real mm-hmm. uh, instead of just going to a place where uh, I got drunk and, you know, the next day felt like crap. Yeah. So uh, I, I really love the fact that yoga studios can provide that, especially for people who are dealing with, with any kind of substance abuse issues um, and people who don't feel, frankly, um, you know, comfortable in situations that are, you know, involving bar culture. Yeah, you know, well, and it can seem like it gets a lot of it's work is already pressure filled enough. And I feel like, you know, when you have happy hours for your work, it just adds to the pressure, that's right? That's and the ugly word networking, right? Everyone's like, Ugh, and then you, you and then you and then you drink to deal with the pressure, and yeah. then the pressure builds, and then you drink more, and the pressure builds. And so there's really no release there, you know, there's there's nowhere to really let it go. Yeah, we really, I try to constantly remind our teachers to do this, I hope they're doing it. Um, we try to have people turn to the people next to them in the classroom and introduce themselves and say hi. And so, you know, I'll like start off and hands together, set your intention, blink open your eyes, turn and greet the yogis next to you. And people, it like blows their mind. Oh my God, really? Like I can interact and smile at the human next to me? (laughs) What a delight. And so it just, that little thing then leads to them walking out of the classroom and feeling more comfortable to say hi. Because it's hard to make grown-up friends as a grown-up, right? Yeah. And just, like, breaking that ice for them really does help. It's nice. Yeah, it's interesting. You're, um, you're, from, the, you're from the Midwest, mm-hmm. right, like, like I am. And so um, in the Midwest, it's actually not uncommon for you to walk down the street and say hi to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Which, or you know, like in the town I right. grew up in, you just know you everybody. You just knew everybody, so. but but still, like if we know I visit, you know, Kansas City or I go to Chicago, like if I say hi to somebody, they usually say hi back and they give me a smile. And you know, we live in D.C. and it's like, you know, I I sometimes do this on purpose. I'll just walk down the street and say hi to everybody I see, uh-huh. and nine times out of ten, they look like me. They look at me like I'm fucking crazy. Yeah, they're like, like who are, what is who this are guy you? On? Yeah, like who are you to be saying hi to me? And like, it's not that big a deal. I'm just saying hi. Yeah, I think everyone's just in a hurry and sort of conditioned out of that to the point where you just walk with your eyes down or on your phone as you're walking, walking into Well, you're so, you're distracting yourself from reality. You're so busy distracting yourself that when somebody brings you back to the present moment by saying hi, you're like jolted and your reaction is sort of like. Or you have this mask on of like, I'm okay. Everything's okay. I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And then for someone to actually kind of like see behind the mask and actually connect with you is, Ah, weird. Mm-hmm. Too bad. It is too bad because <laughs> we got, and it is. And and one of the things I struggle. I I remember I had a one uh, teacher once who before class she asked everybody in the room to say their name so that they could they could introduce themselves to her. Um, and I thought that was really powerful. Uh, and I, I don't do it in my class. I did it for I did it for maybe a couple of months mm-hmm. a few years ago. Uh, but I found that it kind of put pressure on people who didn't feel comfortable saying their name or, yeah. or people who wanted to be anonymous in their class. It kind of put pressure on them, so I didn't end up doing it. But I, I do find that's a, a really... It can be very, very... Um, uh, it can make the room feel much more comfortable when you realize you're sitting next to an actual human and not just a person wearing Lululemon. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and we can do that as teachers in our wording, too, just like constantly reminding people that, like, okay, we all might feel this stretch this way or like just the common experience that we're all sharing. I always try to bring languaging back to that or I even end with like, I end every single class with, we will close together with three, three breaths together. 
really bringing it to that idea of like, okay, you're going to step out of this nice 60 minutes you had alone on your mat, but we are out here together breathing. Let's all do it together. I don't know if that actually sinks in, but yeah. yeah. So how, so let me ask you this, how many classes a week do you, do you teach right now? I am down to just two classes a week, one at each studio and a private, three private lessons. So how many, much. how many were you teaching at your height? Um, when we opened the studio, I was probably between like eight and 12 and then subbing every time teachers couldn't make it in. Right. <laughs> I made it in. I, I mean, did you coughing at me for, I made it in all the time. Oh, yoga teachers. Um, no. And I think that's way too much as a yoga studio owner because I view my job not as teaching yoga. My job is running a studio. My job is making sure the bills are paid and the floors are mopped and the people are hired and the customer service is great. Um, I have to trust that I've hired really great teachers who will be like the core of what we offer. So in, I, I really hope that this, I try to make Yoga Heights not about me and it's not my name across the sign, it's Yoga Heights, you know. And I'm just the support team in the background. Yeah, I really, so I really valued that. One of the first uh, lessons that Angela at least instilled and at least that I found was, you know, I think it was the first day when she said, you know, you guys, first day of training, she said, you know, you guys can't come in here 10 minutes late. Like, you have to be on time. Like, uh, this is about being a professional mm -hmm. and you're either early or you're on time as a professional to your jobs. And it's no different if you're going to be a yoga teacher. Uh, and I really try to instill that on my own yoga teacher trainees yeah. as well because so many yoga teachers do treat it like, oh, well, it's yoga and I can just show up whenever I want because I'm so beautiful and everything's so great. Yeah. And it doesn't work that way. You know, you're, you have to be respectful to the people who are coming to your class. You have to be respectful to the people that are coming to your establishment. Uh, and that means... Um, setting rules that means setting like the expectation that no you show up and you do your job um, and I think actually rather than that not being yogic I know a lot of yoga teachers would be like oh well, that's what are you so strict for like that's not very cool man like I think having discipline is a big part of yoga oh yeah like, yoga's got lots of rules yamas sure. and niyamas right like sure. it's this idea that we can all be like free-flowing waterfall fairies who just love life right no like we have to show up on time. We, it's disrespectful to the students and, and their experience if you can't at least be there to greet them at the door, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, so then this is my other follow-up question then. So, mm -hmm. so how do you practice yoga now? <laughs> like, and, I, and that's not, I mean, it doesn't even mean, I don't even mean asana. I mean, you, you, yeah. you probably don't do triangle, like, you know, every day. Like, like I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't do warrior two every single day of my life. Like I don't, I don't do that. But like, what does your yoga practice look like now? So my yoga practice is a lot of self care, which is tricky. I am a mother of a toddler, and I we send her to daycare only three days a week, so we spend a lot of time together. Um, so for me, it's about like how do I stay present. And how do I honor, like, what's true to me? Being a mother is not super duper my thing. <laughs> like, I'm not a nurturing mommy. Um, 
And so, like, how do I still... Well, maybe not in the 19, you know, 50s style or whatever, you know, like, whatever whatever we might expect that to be. Yeah, you know. there are, hey, there are plenty of people who, like, love being a mother, and I think that, like, lights them up. Awesome. For me, it's de- it can be depleting when done day in and day out. So, for me, You're not alone. hair and yoga, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe we just need to have a mommy blog or yeah, mommy exactly. podcast and talk about this. But, um, no, so uh, yoga for me is like being present and making sure that when I am on mommy duty, I'm not looking at my phone, checking my emails, responding to work stuff. Um, and when I'm working, I'm working. And I really like try to separate those. Not perfectly. It's always a work in progress. Um we do a little bit of yoga at home. It's kind of cute and not what you would think of as yoga. It doesn't look, you know, we have these little yoga flashcards. And so my two-year-old is like triangle pose and she does it. And it's That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then I try to make it to class a couple times a week. And it's, part, it's mostly for me to just show up. So it's more about like what time just works in my schedule. But then it's the backside is as a business owner, I need to go in and take class every once in a while just to have the experience of being a student and make sure that, like, I don't know, the front desk people are doing what they need to do and the floors are clean and the light bulbs are all lit and all those things, too. Mm-hmm. I actually find I really, if I'm looking for, like, deep, good, physical asana for myself, i got to go to a, a different studio. It can't be at Yoga Heights because I'm too much looking around making sure everything's in the right place and not just like on my own mat. Yeah, that's that's fascinating because um it, it happens to me too. I, I, when I when I work at Vita and uh, I'm there 5 days a week and and it's sort of similar because you're you're at your place of work and it's this it's a physical it's a physical culture place where you are. I mean, you're mm-hmm. you know, this is this is exercise we're talking about. Um, and so when people, when I work out, you know, I, I work out during the day at Vita, certainly where I work, but on weekends, you wouldn't find me anywhere near a Vita. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not going anywhere near work. And so, yeah, I have to do the same thing. I have to go to, you know, an orange theory or I've got to go to elevate or I've got to go to a soul cycle, something that's going to, you know, be entertaining for me because, you know, I just associate so much with my workplace. Yeah. Um, and I need to just break free of it. I you know. Mean- I don't know if you have this. I get to the point where I'm like, I don't want to hear the word yoga right yeah. now. Like, don't talk to me about yoga. I don't want to go to a dinner party and, you know, six people find out you're a yoga teacher and they're like, oh, awesome. What about this one thing and this one pose and this body part that does this thing? And like, ah, you get to leave your work behind. Let me leave mine behind, too. That um, does work. And, and this sort of brings up another topic, which is, so what else do you do for exercise? Do you, do you, I mean, do you walk? Do you, do you like <laughs> nothing, just, just pure asana? Yeah. Uh, I never, ever, ever have been an exercise person. I will put that out there. Well, I mean, dancing um, is exercise. Dancing, but that, dancing stopped at like age 17, 18, something like that. Um, so, no, I really never, I've tried so hard to be a runner. I hate running. <laughs> I've tried, and I keep coming back and What's trying What's the furthest again. you ever run? Oh, my God. I did... Um, like a 10 point something mile race and I felt like someone was trying to murder me the whole time <laughs> it was awful. and I did it with my husband and just complained the entire time and it's lucky that I'm still married um yeah no I don't I get bored in Pilates classes I like you know something that's strictly about working out I'm like eh, I don't care right 
Um, yeah, for me, it's like getting out, and I'd like to say, <laughs> I would love to tell you a story right now about how I go hiking with my dog, and I push the stroller. Right. Well, we do that like once or twice a year. <laughs> when that does happen, it's lovely. Um, so it's it's not the Instagram life. No. Well, my Instagram life is not very pretty, which is why I don't have very many followers. <laughs> um, no, it's, I try to eat healthy. I do yoga when I can. Yeah. I don't get too caught up in it. You know, I really embraced being pregnant because I was like, yeah. Exactly. Mama's going to eat whatever Ice she cream, wants yeah. and feel great about it. And so, yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I So when I really fell in love with yoga, all I did was yoga probably. And you know, you saw me at Stroga. I would do like two, three classes a day. I was yeah, really like You were that dude who was like the sweaty dude who was like I trying know. to sword. You were shaking in the back. <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Oh my God. Getting that handstand. I know, or not. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I really fell in love with it, and then you know, probably about after two years of that, I was like, I just can't do this anymore. I can't. Like, I've I've done Warrior Two so many times. I've done Crow so many times. It got to the point where I really missed that cross training, and so now mm-hmm. I, I take as much. You know. I probably work out more with weights. I probably do Pilates. I do cycling classes. I do as much other stuff as I can. And what I do is I try to bring the yoga mindset into those things that I do. Mm-hmm. So when I'm doing, you know, squats or I'm doing, you know, bench press or whatever, you know, I'm using my breath to really like become present and control the motions yeah. um, instead of just being a berserker about it, you know, yeah, some yeah, sort yeah. of Viking lifting as much as possible. You really bring that yoga awareness to it. And I find it very, very relaxing, very, very, um, uh, very fun, mm-hmm. you know, because, because yeah, you know, how many times can you do a sun salutation? You know, I'm not. Yeah, you know, that's, it's interesting. And like, I know, and I know in some, some, some forms of yoga, that's the point is that you do the sun salutation, even when you're bored to, to get through the boredom. Yes. Yeah. To, to, to give you this. Yeah, I understand that. But yeah. I think I also reached sort of these uh, ebbs and flows in my teaching where I'm like, okay, I'm bored. I like, I've taught this and I don't feel creative anymore. And I teach a vinyasa class that's usually completely unpredictable, as in, like, I don't plan ahead and I read the room and I try to pick up on what people want that day. And that can just, yeah, sometimes you just feel unmotivated. That's when I know, oh, my God, Jess, you haven't been to a yoga class in two weeks. Mm. Of course, you've got no fuel in the tank. Like, when I then go and learn something or go experience a new teacher, new vocabulary, new perspective, all of a sudden, oh my God, up dog just became interesting again because I just took a teacher who taught up dog in a whole new way. So that's when I'm, I mean, we all know this, right? Like all yoga teachers know that we need to keep going to classes to continually be learning and keeping our own practice fresh. But it's, you constantly need that reminder. Yeah. And it's hard to get to classes, frankly, right? Because we're, you know, at least for me, anyway, I'm I'm teaching classes usually when yeah. when classes are when offered. Classes are going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I find workshops to be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big like celebrity yogi fan, but I went to this Catherine Budig workshop yeah. a few weeks ago, and was just that like gave me juice for the next couple of months of like all these fun things and her influence and. Um, what did you learn there? Do you want Do you, want you talk about that well, for a moment? Well, you know, one thing that struck me, and I went there with a bunch of fellow yoga teachers, Amy Rosado, Becky Paris, Juliana Cole, our Yoga Heights management team. Mm-hmm. And as famous and fancy and impressive as Catherine is, 
we could have all taught that workshop. Like, it wasn't rocket science. There's nothing new under the sun, right? And so if anything, yes, I her new way of teaching certain poses was fun for me to experience, but it was also very empowering to be like, oh, just because she's, like, you know, famous doesn't make her untouchable or, like, so different as a yoga teacher. If any of us decided, I'm going to really, like, put my efforts behind teaching a great workshop, we could go teach a great workshop, you know? Right. This isn't some prophet, like, yeah. like for who's heard from the, the, the mind of God, like, yeah, right? how to teach Warrior Three. You know? Yeah, and it's, it's <laughs> that, I don't say that to, like, disrespect her or her practice or her expertise. It's just a reminder that, like, we all have expertise, too. So that was empowering, for sure. Uh, we did a lot of arm balances and flying and floating around and stuff. And that was fun. That's fun, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Just to go be, like, purely physical. And I really like her approach of, like, no bullshit. She's like, okay, you guys came here today to do arm balances. So we're not going to chant. We're not going to ohm. We're not going to, you know, like, right. we're here to do arm balances. So let's do arm balances. That was refreshing. Yeah, I mean, and that sort of, to me, it sort of almost crosses the line into, you know, this isn't really a yoga workshop. This is a gymnastics workshop yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just realized sort of that, um, or at least I like to tell people when I, when I teach arm balances, when I teach handstands, is that what you're looking for is to have the same presence and the same peace of mind um, in your crow, in your side crow, in your arm balance, in your handstand as you do when you're in child's pose. Mm-hmm. that's the goal. The goal itself is not necessarily to do a handstand because you could practice every day and do a handstand and that would be fine. Yeah. The goal is to, to, bring, to bring awareness to what you're doing and become present in that pose. And if you're doing that, uh, then I think that's yoga. Otherwise, you're just learning carnival tricks. Yeah, well, right? and that's where I, I haven't been to a carnival trick workshop. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine, you know... So you heard it here first. There, the goal is to learn how to do the thing and you're like either sort of good or bad based on your ability to do the thing in a yoga approach to doing these arm balances and floating and handstands and all the things it's, it's the process it's not the end right the journey right yeah. it's always a practice it's never it's there's never there's never a game yeah yeah um so you just opened your second studio when was that back in march in december december so wow yeah. <laughs> and that's up in Fort Totten. We're in Tacoma. Tacoma. Yep, on the D.C. side of Tacoma, so still yogaheightsdc.com. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's been really great to see what we've learned from the first one can be repeated, and the mistakes that we made in the first one don't need to be repeated. And mm-hmm. so people keep asking, like, how's it going? And it's great. It's smooth, and people are, again, happy to have another yoga option up there is, I don't know if anyone out there knows about Tacoma, but it's known for being like kind of a crunchy place. You'd expect there to be a lot of yoga options there. And there really weren't. There's been um, Willow Street Yoga, which is a phenomenal studio. It's been around for years and years and years. And then there's a Bikram spot. So I was shocked that there hasn't already been more yoga brought. Um, And I feel like we offer this sort of, I don't know, maybe more modern or accessible approach to yoga. Again, like you're going to hear top 40 music, perhaps. You're going to see people of all body types 
you're not going to get a ton of chanting or spiritual stuff thrown in your face right away. And so I think that we just are able to offer yoga in a different way from what's already there. And it feels great because we have people who walk in and either like it or people who walk in and don't. And so then we're able to say like, okay, great. Don't stop doing yoga. Just go to the other people who offer it in a different way. So. That's pretty cool though, actually. And I, I, that, that is really cool to hear because one of the things I always offer people when they talk to me about, um, doing my classes or my yoga teacher trainings or, um, or anything yoga related is, uh, you know, Hey, I'm interested in doing this. Um, you know, where should I go? Or, you know, your impulse is to be super uh, accommodating and say like, Oh, of course, like, me, yeah, of course, like it come to mind, you know, and yeah. and but the yoga teaches us that that's not the case. Like maybe they don't need to come to your studio. Maybe yeah. they want to go to another studio. And it, it's so refreshing to hear that you kind of offer that um, because oh, yeah. I do too. I, I love to say like, okay, well maybe mine's not for you. Maybe you want to go do this yoga teacher training. Maybe you want to do that studio. Maybe that's more your style because you're right. You don't want people to then give up and just say, I'm not going to do this yoga anymore. Right. But you want to be you want to be an ambassador for. For the you know for the practice of yoga, not just yeah. you know the business for yourself. Absolutely, and that's where that scary line between business and mm. yoga is is can be difficult to navigate. Because yes, of course, we would love you to come pay us to do yoga to help my business keep doing well. But it's if you're not going to stick around, if it's not going to become a passion for you, if you're not going to fall in love with yoga because of the way that we offer it, then you're better off elsewhere. And that's like. Taking the long view, I think, as opposed to the like, oh my God, we got to pay the rent. We got to make more money this <laughs> month right now. Um, and it's worked out for us so far. So how, and this is one of the things that we kind of want to get into with, with this, with this podcast is how would you describe the yoga that's taught at your studio? Uh, we are a pretty vinyasa based studio. We have, um, a variety of classes, however, to accommodate people who don't want to do vinyasa. So we, it's been cool to see yin yoga really kind of become something that people are asking for and more interested in. It's so hard to just sit still. And so the fact that people are, like, getting it and understanding, hey, this is actually good, um, that's been a cool evolution in the last four years. Do you, do you find actually a lot of people taking the yin yoga classes? Oh my gosh, yes. We've had to add more and more and more to the schedule. And, Crazy, isn't it? And we've hosted a yin yoga teacher training and like really yin is where it's at. So if you can ever just sit still, people, and do some yin yoga, it's lovely. I, it's it's awesome to see that look on someone's face after they've done a yin class and they actually realize like, <laughs> hey, I don't have to do a million sun salutations and yeah. do warrior two to have a yoga practice and I can actually just, you know be still for a moment and that mm -hmm. actually might be more refreshing than getting the biggest baddest workout I've ever gotten yeah for sure but then the other flip side of that is we still offer like a rocket yoga class or two a week and power yoga and hot yoga um and that's you just a different flavor for everybody you know I think there are people who come to yoga strictly because they want to work out great I have no problem with that they are welcome to come and just work out what they probably don't realize is we're going to sneak in the other good yoga <laughs> stuff and they're going to pick up on it and that's why they're going to love coming to yoga as opposed to just going to a gym class. Um, I, yeah, I think we just really try to offer something in our languaging, whatever style of class is, that is 
non-judgmental, open. I know so many people who have these horror stories about feeling like judged or not welcome at a studio and that like breaks my heart a little bit because literally yoga can be for everybody, type every our mission statement, everybody, every level, every budget. Mm-hmm. And I can't wrap my head around running a business in a way that makes people feel excluded, like they don't belong. I mean, yeah, I mean, nobody nobody sets out to run a business that way, right? That's never anybody's intention. So. But sometimes um, you see the things that they use in their marketing, and you're like, really? <laughs> well, I mean, if I'm going to have marketing, and I'm only going to put six 20-something white girls with blonde hair in Lululemon pants across the front of my poster... What does that tell the rest of the world, you know? No, if we're going to be accessible yoga, we have to have images that represent it. We have to have teachers that are representative of everybody. And and that's not easy. Honestly, the majority of the people who apply to work for us are mm, kind of in that category of like 20-something white girls. And mm-hmm. so it really has been for me a challenge to like hire diversity and and attract diversity in even our staff and our front desk people and at every turn. And it's, it takes constant vigilance because it would be very easy to all of a sudden look and mm-hmm. just have a bunch of white women teaching yoga. How many, about how many applications do you think you get a week or a month from people who want to teach yoga? Um, probably, well, right when we were opening, it, there was a flood because people heard that we were opening and so we got a ton of interest. Um, I'd say like three to five a month come at us wanting to teach for us. Um, and we do a pretty, like, I ask a lot of people. Uh, I ask that teachers come and audition by teaching a full class, which immediately turns people off. Some Really? Like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of I would think that a lot that of divas who are like, mm-mm, I'm not coming oh, yeah, to audition for you. You should be so lucky to hire me. Um so, yeah, I make everybody audition that 60-minute class. And we, um, I, I basically just do a blind audition where the students give the feedback of whether they would hire that teacher or not. So, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And for me, like for me as a teacher, I would always want to teach that full yoga class because it gives me more opportunity to show what my teaching style is. It gives me more opportunity yeah. to connect um, As opposed to like the five minute audition where you yeah. just are like, oh, I hope they like me and, and that's what you throwing get. something and hoping it sticks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that would be so much better. I've actually, it's funny, I've always assumed because I have at Vita, um, I am sort of like the yoga uh, director there, even though it's not my title. <laughs> um, but when I have when I have asked people to come audition, I've I've actually never had a teacher say you know, I'm above that, or, or I don't think I can do that. They've always actually, you know, to my delight, said, oh, I'd, I'd be happy to come in and, and do that. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's been that's been really nice. The m- most of the time, they're fine with it. There are those who are not, and then it's a very clear signal to me, like, I didn't want you here anyways. <laughs> no, that's right. we look for team players, and I hire to the sub list. I usually don't have a class to hire someone to give on a weekly basis. And then I use a sub list as like your chance to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And those subs who show up and offer and are helpful and team players, they get classes, no problem. The ones who pop in and sub maybe once every couple months, mm-hmm. then they get nothing. Right. 
No, I mean that's that's sort of the way I like to I like to run the my studio, which is, um, you know, if, if you if I have a class at six thirty on Friday morning, then you better take it, mm-hmm. um, because that shows me you want to teach here. Yeah. And if you're not interested, if you can only teach it Tuesday at ten a.m., uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like maybe you know this isn't the place for you because what I do is if you can show me you want to teach every week at my studio. And you show up every Friday at 6.30 a.m. And even if you have five people in your class that really enjoy the class and you don't sub your class and you sub for other people, well, then that shows me someone who's serious about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then I can give you a job um, another time at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. Or I can give you that you know, noon time on Friday that's really popular. I can give you that 6 p.m. on Wednesday because you show me that you, you are respectful of that. Yeah. How do you yeah. feel about um, asking teachers to advertise for their classes versus like it's the studio's job or Vita's job yeah. to fill the classes. So it's, that's for me, I leave it up to the teacher for that. Um, we're lucky in that Vita is a gym and to a certain extent there's a captive audience, meaning that um, people can go to the class or not. The membership, our membership really isn't driven by our yoga classes. The membership mm-hmm. is driven by the classes we have in all the studios um, in a lot of ways, or at least I should say people usually don't join Vita because they want to take the classes, but people stay at Vita because they take the classes, yeah, meaning they find the, the value in that their membership brings for $100, $110 a month. They can take all the classes that they want versus going teachers, to like, right from, from some great teachers. Um, and so from that point of view, we don't really care whether or not the teachers advertise their class. But if you're if you if you are social media savvy and you are on Instagram, you are on Facebook, and you do advertise your class to people and your numbers get bigger because of that, then I'm gonna give you opportunities at different times. Mm-hmm. So it would behoove you to actually do that work. Yeah. Because because I'm I'm counting on the fact that you see this as your business to help my business. Mm-hmm. Right? This isn't like, like a I'm, partnership. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'm I'm the manager. I'm not your assistant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I always, I, and, and, uh, you know, it's, it'd be interesting to, to find your point of view from your, from a studio owner because studios, right. And you do offer more than yoga at your studios, right? You still offer Pilates at your studios. Yeah. We have right? a couple of Pilates classes. We have a couple, um, we call it no bar bar because we do bar, but we don't have a bar. Fantastic. And we do boot camp, which is, Amy sells that out like crazy. So people do want, just the straight up workout, um, and we recognize that and we offer it. Um, I don't know. I go back and forth about like I don't want to put it on a yoga teacher to have to advertise, nor do I want to like give up control of the brand. That yeah. we, you know, like if they're posting something on social media and I look and I don't like the tone or the imagery of it or the message that they're sending. And it happens to be saying, like, and go to Yoga Heights. Right. That's going to freak me out. So I try to not put it on them to advertise. Um, but then you just have the people who want to. Right. Yeah. You get the people who love being on social media. They mm-hmm. love putting up pictures of their beautiful practice. And so they're going to do it anyways. But we don't pay based on numbers in the class. And that's, I guess that's maybe what's behind my question is, like, the pay structure is always interesting because... Some studios reward teachers for filling the class, which pushes the teacher to go out and advertise and market mm-hmm. 
I view it not as that's my job as the studio to market and bring in the students and then let the teachers do their teaching and hopefully focus more on that than on beautiful. Yeah, I had I had that when I when I first started teaching. You know, as as you do, you have all these great ideas for yoga workshops, and oh man, everybody's going to want to come to this yoga workshop. <laughs> um, and I went to and did yoga workshops at a couple of different studios, and I found majority of the yoga studio owners were basically viewing it as me, in effect, renting the spot for two hours mm-hmm. and doing my yoga thing there, yeah. uh, so that the people who follow me could have a place to practice. Mm-hmm. And in other words, they didn't advertise my my yoga workshop at all. Like they were kind of counting on me to go out and advertise for them yeah. to come to their studio, and then I was just going to pay them forty percent. Were you a 40%. teacher at? Did you have a weekly class at those? No. Okay. No, so you were I didn't. a visiting guest instructor. Right. And yeah. I always had thought, you know, that's what this what you do. You put the class on the website, and then you tell all those teachers tell, and then their studio people come to yeah. my yoga workshop, and then no. that was not the way it works. <laughs> yeah, no. Not in my experience. Yeah. Um, from the owner's perspective, we, well, I've learned, like, our students are loyal to our teachers. So when we have outside teachers want to offer things, I tell them pretty bluntly, like, okay, you can come rent the space from us. Right. But don't count on our students coming to your workshop. If they don't know you, if you're not famous, if you, you know, don't have some draw, it's up to you to fill the room. And there are teachers who do that who do amazingly well. Uh, we rent our studio space out almost every weekend for different teachers and classes and workshops. Um, but then when it's with our staff members, yeah, then it's on us as the studio to share that burden of filling up the room for workshops. Workshops being different than classes, too. You know, the workshop expectation as a teacher is that you're going to make a lot more money for that hour or 90 minutes or two hours of your time. So we then ask the teachers to advertise and fill it up as well. Most studios will do some kind of a like 60-40 or 50-50 or 70-30 split with the teacher. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would say with workshops, we expect you to be able to bring in at least half of the people if you're on our staff. If you're not on our staff, then you're just renting the space. Right. And we wish you the best of luck. <laughs> so I did want to get to, to something. Um, it's getting increasingly harder, at least in the D.C. area. The, sorry, just the district alone. It seems like the, the market's getting pretty saturated. You actually opened up studios in, in places that weren't that saturated. So I'm talking more like the 14th Street Corridor. I'm talking about mm-hmm. Shaw. I'm thinking about those other places. It seems you've done a really good job with your business plan. Or I, Let me ask you this, I guess, instead. At what point did you realize just offering yoga wasn't gonna wasn't gonna pay the bills? Uh, we had Pilates on the schedule from day one. So you knew that going into it, sort of yeah. like this can't be just a yoga studio. We need to offer other things. As yeah, well. and I think that comes from our perspective of like we get it. People want a place to work out. They're not all coming for this like spiritual awakening that some yoga studios seem to really be focused on offering. Um, but I guess my question is more geared towards, can you actually have a, yoga, a successful yoga studio where all you're offering is yoga? I think yes. Um, because I would say the Pilates and the bar and the boot camp, if we were to strip it away today and not offer it, we would still be 
profitable. Because you, I don't, because I actually don't know a yoga studio that only offers yoga. And I'm not talking yeah. about like Core Power or any of the other cor- yeah. corporate places, but places like Flow, places like um, like that, they still offer Pilates and they offer yeah. boot camps and stuff like that. I just, I just don't know if you can be an independent yoga studio and just offer yoga anymore. I, I would find it be, it would be, it would be a challenge in this market. You know, the wisdom coming down through like mind bodies trainings and their different, um, blogs and different things that are offering how to run your business better advice. They're all saying specificity. I mean, really? look at places like Soul Cycle, where they just ride bikes. Look at places like the bar studios that just do bar. That Those are booming and taking off. And so the most recent workshop I was at about how to run your business better was like, cut the crap. Do what you do, focus on it, and do it well. And that's interesting. I, I don't know. I think if I'm asking somebody to... Go steady. <laughs> like, if you're just going to come to Yoga Heights, then I want to offer you some well-rounded options. So that's going to be, if you're looking for a little more strength, maybe you want to do a Pilates class. If you're, or bar or something. I don't, I'm not convinced yet to just offer yoga. I would like to, because it's hard to find Pilates teachers, and it's hard to find bar teachers, but yoga teachers, you can't throw a stone without hitting one in D.C. <laughs> right. Um, and I guess, I guess, I guess part of it is, you know, where your revenue comes from. And it seems to me that if you're going to have somebody just have their membership at your yoga heights, that's going to be a different conversation than if, Hey, you know, the drop in who's just coming to do purely yeah. yoga. Well, and then you have right? like the rise of class pass and right. different services like that. Are you guys on ClassPass? We are on ClassPass, and that really does enable people to hop around, which I don't think is a bad thing. As a consumer, I get that. If you like various styles of working out, you're going to want that freedom to go around town and try all the different places. Um, yeah, and I have my own thoughts on, like, I like it as a business. I use ClassPass as a marketing tool. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of studio owners not like ClassPass because they feel sort of abused by it. We don't get very many dollars per student that they send to us, and we don't have a lot of negotiating power with them. So it it can easily back you into a corner in a way that's not healthy for your business. But I'm trying to use it simply as marketing. It's bringing in several hundred new students to Yoga Hype each month. So I'm not going to turn them away. Yeah, you can't beat that for exposure. Right? And then I hope that they fall in love with us and decide that they only want to stay with us and they drop their class pass membership and they stick with Yoga Heights. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, well, we do have to wrap up. Is there uh, anything else you want to you wanna plug? Any wor- workshops coming up? Any any other things that's going on at Yoga Heights that you really want to let people know about? You know, there's always something I think is... We're in such a lucky rich market of yoga here in dc there is something for everybody and so just constantly pushing that like come test us out if you like our flavor stick with us if you don't don't stop there's more um and so we offer our teacher training very much in that vein we hope that you know you won't get a great deep specific deep dive into one style of yoga in our teacher training because we want it to be totally approachable, totally accessible. We want you to find your voice 
So we do a teacher training every year. I love it. It's my favorite part of my job these days. When's your next one starting? We start in October. Nice. And it's uh, eight months, one weekend a month. you got to think about the details. Yeah. <laughs> and they can just email you or go on the website and find yeah. out more information about yoga that. com Info at yogaheightscc if you want to send me an email. Cool. Um, yeah. We're just happy to be existing in this world of lots and lots of yoga options. That sounds fantastic. Well, Jess, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. You're absolutely welcome. Um, just so everybody remembers, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, just email me at dcyogapodcast at gmail.com, uh, and I will be happy to answer any questions on upcoming episodes about uh, yoga, about anything DC-related. Um, so uh, until the next time, uh, Chris Parkinson, and uh, take care. Bye.